the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we are underway on a Wednesday, the 14th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2021. And before I get started with our pledge and our rundown of the show, I must make uh, a special announcement here to my wonderful, wonderful, loving son. Happy birthday, Jarrett Michael France. Uh, I love you very much. 18 years old today, officially a man, officially an adult. It blows my mind. This is one of the three greatest days of my life, the day that my wife agreed to marry me, the day that my daughter was born, the day that my son was born. Happy birthday, Jared. I love you very much, son. Um, we have a loaded show today. We have got so much to talk about. Coming up in about a half an hour, we are going to be talking with Ralph Spitalieri. Ralph Spitalieri represents a wonderful organization that I spent a lot of time talking to and promoting on this, on these airwaves called Blue Line Unlimited. It's a police support organization that raises money for officers' families, uh, particularly fallen officers' families. Uh, they have wonderful raffles and other things to support uh, families of officers. Blue Line Unlimited, it's just what it sounds like. It references that thin blue line, which, of course, we all recognize as a memorial to and a support uh, statement for fallen officers, the thin blue line. It's something that nobody could possibly oppose. Ralph Spitalieri will be joining me to talk about Blue Line Unlimited. Why? Because in Solon yesterday, we found out that the blue line is limited. It can't be displayed outside of a police station in Solon, Ohio. Why? We're going to talk about why with Ralph Spitalieri coming up at 935. I've also got another guest booked for later this week who is at the center of all of that in Solon. By the way, 
just a little editor's note here, if you will. I have reached out in two different ways to the mayor of Solon who made the decision to take down the thin blue line flag outside of the police station. Uh, I have not yet received a response from the mayor's office in Solon. So just to let you know, that's going on. So we'll talk about the blue line with Ralph at 935. At 10.10, we'll talk about what's going on at the Ohio Board of Education. Was John Hagan's resolution allowed to be heard and voted upon? Uh, are we going to get a legal opinion from the Attorney General of the State of Ohio that is based on all of the facts, not just the eh, thin thumbnail sketch version of the facts that are being advanced by the Ohio Board uh, of Education President Laura Kohler? We're going to talk to John Hagan because they just had their meeting yesterday and Monday, their monthly Board of Education meeting. John Hagan. And uh, board member Kirsten Hill, both of them will be joining me at 1010 to talk about education in Ohio and whether or not critical race theory or other types of um, divisive lessons and curricula are going to be allowed in Ohio schools and, in fact, mandated in Ohio schools. We'll talk to them about that at 1010 and then at 1035, diving back into the Senate race. As we talk for the first time to Bernie Moreno, we have talked to a number of the candidates for the Republican primary thus far, which you I'm sure you realize we have not yet talked to Bernie Moreno live on the air, so that will happen at 1035. You'll get to know Bernie and a little bit more about his campaign for the Senate. So there you go. We have a lot of interviews today, not a ton of time for phone calls, so I would say choose your spots wisely. At 216-901-0945, before interviews, in between interviews, and after interviews, get on the phones quickly and get in line so that we can take your calls. Now, before we start with the news of the day, let's do what we always do. Let's pay tribute to this great country with our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please stand. Face your flag if you have one. Put your hand over your heart. Liberals, leftists, Democrats, go ahead and take your proverbial knee. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all all right as noted uh, a lot of news to get into today I'm gonna just hit the first one quickly because I don't have a ton of new information about it but to tell you that, you know, I mentioned I'm going to talk to Bernie Moreno today uh, as a part of that Senate race and our coverage of the Senate race. Um, one of the candidates for the U.S. Senate seat in the Republican primary, J.D. Vance, had a bit of a rough day yesterday and is maybe having a rough week. Uh, and here's why. I interviewed J.D. Vance, as you heard, last week. And uh, we talked about a lot of things, including and probably especially his previous comments uh, that were very critical of Donald Trump and perhaps too critical of Trump supporters and Trump voters. Uh, Now, J.D. Vance knows that he's going to be asked about those things in virtually every interview he does because, well, he's running for Senate. And almost all of the Senate candidates recognize that a uh, Donald Trump endorsement would go a huge way toward winning that primary. And so, you know, they're all courting Trump, uh, Trump's endorsement and thus Trump voters. So he's going to be asked about his criticism. I asked him that fairly and frankly, didn't sugarcoat it, uh, but didn't attack either. I just said, tell me the difference between then and then and now, and he did. But what I also asked him during that interview was, did you ever call Trump voters racists or any other slanderous types of, of uh, or insulting terms um, as alleged by some who, sa- who said this was in some of your tweets? 
uh, that were deleted because you know he did. There was a massive delete of uh, you know deleting of tweets from JD's account uh, because he says, "Look, I've had a I've had a, a change of heart over four years. I saw the great work Donald Trump did, so I I took down a lot of my previous criticisms because they no longer apply. I can respect that. A lot of us had uh, you know turns of uh, of opinion, if you will." Uh, on Donald Trump. So I'm okay with that. But I said, I didn't see the tweets, but here's what I was told some of the tweets and some of the online commentary said, and and it referenced uh, calling Trump voters racist. I said, did that happen? And uh, uh, J.D. Vance answered emphatically, no. No, that is not true. Those things did not happen. Well, a... An article uh, has surfaced in something called the Patriots Gazette, patriotsgazette.com, which featured our interview and then some video of J.D. Vance talking about Trump supporters and a couple of Facebook comments as well in which it looks like he did um, uh, refer to Trump voters in some perhaps less than flattering ways. And so just like I said, to be fully transparent here, um, I intend to have J.D. Vance back onto the program to talk about this. Um, again, you know, I think he deserves the chance to do that. That's why I gave Jane Timken a chance to come on this program and explain how and why she defended Anthony Gonzalez's vote to impeach Donald Trump and then quickly pivoted and said, Anthony, once she decided to run for Senate, and said Anthony Gonzalez should, be, should resign. Uh, he should be censured. He shouldn't be there. So I'm always going to be fair, and I'm always going to ask these tough questions. I did speak with J.D. Vance last night. Uh, not speak. Take that back. We we messaged, uh, text messaged one another uh, because he wants to respond to this. And he says that it is all about context. I'm just going to paraphrase because I want him to speak for himself. But he said it's all about context. These uh, allegations that he said Trump supporters are racist, he said, are still false. He said he did not lie to me and did not intend to do so. Uh, he needs perhaps more clarification about the context of the previous remarks he has used. So I'm going to leave it there because that's that's the only fair place to leave it. I won't speak for J.D. Vance, and I won't speak for uh, anybody who's attacking J.D. Vance. I'm just telling you what's going on. And I told J.D. Vance uh, last night uh, that he has an open invitation to come back onto my program and maybe provide that context that he said was missing and explain a little bit. Um, I give him credit. Rather than ignoring this controversy, he he texted me directly, and, and it wasn't an apology. I don't want to I don't want to misstate that. Um, but he wanted to provide clarification to me because he doesn't want me to feel like he was being dishonest with me and thus disrespectful of me during that interview. I don't feel disrespected. I would like the clarification, though. So uh, I gave him, gave JD the uh, invitation, and I have every expectation he will indeed accept that and come back on the air and talk about that whenever we have an opportunity. So that's part A of J.D.'s tough week or tough night. Also yesterday, and this is kind of, uh, this is kind of interesting and kind of important and a little bit, a little bit troubling. I, I don't know what to make of it because I don't know what the intention was here, and I won't read into the intention. But Protect Ohio Voters PAC, that's the uh, political action committee that was organized to help J.D. Vance uh, in his case, or case, in his campaign rather, uh, was served a cease and desist letter. Jack Windsor reported this in the Ohio Press Network uh, yesterday. Served a cease and desist letter from OVV, Ohio Value Voters, uh, or rather attorneys representing Ohio Value Voters. Now, you know that I have a great relationship with Ohio Value Voters. John Stover and Diane Stover come on this program frequently to talk about very important things that we share a common interest in. Well, Ohio Value Voters has endorsed Josh Mandel for the Senate seat. 
And according to Ohio Value Voters and their attorneys, their legal representation, some of the imaging and branding of the Protect Ohio Voters Pack for J.D. Vance is too closely um, resembling uh, the Ohio Value Voters um, imaging and branding in their endorsement of Josh Mandel. Essentially, Ohio Value, Ohio Value Voters says that J.D. Vance is trying to confuse Ohio voters into thinking that Ohio Value Voters actually have, has endorsed him. Uh, according to the letter drafted by uh, Columbus Attorney Joshua Brown on behalf of Ohio Value Voters, quote, POV, that's Protect Ohio Voters PAC, that's J.D. Vance's PAC, uh, their materials being substantially similar to OVVs have caused confusion and sent mixed signals to Ohioans about who Ohio Value Voters supports. Now, I have not yet seen a response from the pack about that. Um, I'm certain they're going to say, no, this is not intended to confuse anybody. We're calling our pack Protect Ohio Voters because that's what we believe uh, J.D. Vance is going to do, is protect Ohio voters. It has nothing to do with Ohio Value Voters. In the language and the you know the acronyms and so on and so forth, they do sound similar. I can see where people would get confused, but I am not going to read intent to to, to uh, confuse or to uh, manipulate Ohio voters on behalf of the pack. I don't know how they chose their name. I don't know when they chose their name. I don't know if they saw Ohio Value voters and said we're going to copy that and try to confuse. I, I think that's I think that's uh, unfair at this stage. Let's see. We'll see how they respond to the legal cease and desist letter. We'll see if it ends up in a courtroom or, or whatnot. But that's just a little bit about what's going on in the race. And I wanted to give you that today. I'll take a time out now because it's 919. And like I said, we are jam-packed with guests. I do want to get a few other stories in before the bottom of this hour, before we talk to our first guest, Ralph Spitalieri from uh, Blue Line Unlimited. That'll be at 935. So we'll take a time out here. Stay right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 924, we continue. AM 1420, the answer. I want to get to some of the other top stories of the day before we dive into our guest list today. Again, with Ralph Spitalieri of Blue Line Unlimited coming up at 935. Um, uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has continued to embarrass the United States on the world stage and to advance the hypocrisy of the Biden administration. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said, Haitian and Cuban migrants and asylum seekers who try to come to the U.S. by boat will not allowed to enter the country. Even if the asylum seekers establish fear of persecution, which is real when you're talking about the communist uh, nation of Cuba, Even if they establish fear of persecution, they will be resettled in third countries, not allowed to come to the United States directly and be given the the release, if you will, the green light to uh, disperse into the American population, only never to be heard from again. That is reserved only for migrants crossing by way of our southern border. Come by sea, get turned away. Come by way of our southern border through Mexico, and welcome to the party, pal. Allow me to be clear. If you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States. The time is never right to attempt migration by sea. To those who risk their lives doing so, this risk is not worth taking. Again, I repeat, do not risk your life attempting to enter the United States illegally. You will not come to the United States. Do not risk your life 
attempting to enter the United States illegally. You will not come to the United States. Meanwhile, his boss has told the world, come to our southern border and, and cross in if you are with a, a, uh, a minor or if there is an unaccompanied minor, we will not turn you or them away. You are coming in. We will hear your asylum hearing. And if your child is alone, we'll send for you. The hypocrisy is so thick, it is disgusting. What's the difference? Why the change in policy when, by the way, people fleeing Mexico or any of the central, you know, northern triangle, uh, Central America, northern triangle countries, they're not fleeing communism and oppression and beatings and everything that you're seeing in Cuba. Why are they being given uh, special and preferential treatment? Perhaps this is the reason why. Mark Hemingway at the federal, or uh, I'm sorry, at uh, Real Clear Investigations now. Mark Hemingway tweeted, guess they don't think Cubans will vote Democrat. Ergo, they don't have a claim for asylum. That is exactly right. The people of Cuba, generally speaking, are opposed to communism. Democrats in America are trying to advance socialism <clears throat> excuse me, and communism. And when they come here, they're not going to support it. The way many in the other uh, countries that are crossing by way of our southern border will. So Cubans are not going to be welcome because they're probably not going to vote Democrat. Ron DeSantis called out uh, Mayorkas and the Biden administration for their hypocrisy as well. He's actually doing the job that Biden should be doing in Florida because Florida would be obviously the landing point for any Cubans trying to escape as they had uh, for a very, very long time by sea. Uh, if we're understanding the stakes, understanding why people are, are revolting, uh, and we're siding with the Cuban people, uh, you, you could probably get a lot of the policies right at that point. If you go into it thinking that they're upset about a vaccine shortage or they're upset that there's not enough groceries in the store, uh, but they just want uh, the regime to change a few things around and kind of rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic, if that's what you think, then you clearly have no hope of, of getting a, a favorable outcome here. Governor Ron DeSantis uh, is spot on. This is exactly what the Biden administration tried to say at the beginning. Oh, those Cubans, they're not protesting the horrors and the evils of communism and the communist regime that oppresses them. They're just mad that COVID is hit and they don't have enough vaccines there. They don't have enough medical care there. That's all. They, they're just asking for help to fight COVID. Otherwise, they're loving their lives in the island paradise of communist Cuba. This is what the Biden administration wants you to believe. And I'll say it again. What Mark Hemingway said is exactly right. They are not going to welcome Cubans to this country that are fleeing actual persecution from communist government, a communist government, because they don't think that they will help them. They will continue to welcome people from around the world if they feel like, hey, we're the Democrat Party. We're the ones letting you in. You vote for us when we make you citizens. And yes, that is the long game plan, finding a way to make a pathway to citizenship for all of them. So Cubans, you are not welcome. You realize there's a big, big population of Cuban Americans who became citizens in Florida. And guess what Florida has become? A pretty consistent red state. They vote Republican in large part because of that Cuban American population. Don't think that Biden doesn't know know that as he tells them, turn your rafts around and go back to the horrors of communist Cuba. You're not welcome here. I've got more. 
but I don't have time at the moment. Biden thinks that the new voting restrictions or the voter integrity acts, rather, are like 21st century Jim Crow. I'll try to get some of that in as we go, but we're going to get the news now so we stay on time for Ralph Spitalieri as we talk about the blue line of Solon and why it's been erased. Coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Justice Warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 935. We continue on AM 1420. The answer. So no doubt you heard uh, the story yesterday. It was on television. It was online. It was everywhere. The uh, police chief in the city of Solon took down a thin blue line flag that was flying outside of a, a station, a police station in Solon. You're thinking, what the heck is that all about? Why would you take down the thin blue line flag? And the chief issued a statement saying, well, uh, it has been expressed to us that it may be bring some divisive and unhealthy reaction within our community. And people started just tearing the chief apart, only to find out that it wasn't the chief's call. The chief was doing what the mayor of Solon told him to do. He, of course, would not uh, you know, disassociate, disassociate himself from the thin blue line flag because we know what it really means. So the mayor made the call, and then the mayor issued a statement of his own. His reading, or his uh, uh, letter, rather, to the uh, community reads, It seems a few of our residents took Chief Tonelli's raising of the thin blue line flag on department property to mean something that was clearly not intended. Frankly, this is a product of our current environment and one that tarnishes even the best intentions. In the interest of narrowing the focus of dialogue strictly on supporting our officers, I requested the removal of the current thin blue line flag in hopes another symbol might be better suited. And this is, uh, quite frankly, this is an outrage. Anybody who supports law enforcement, anybody who feels compassion and empathy for fallen officers and their families know what the thin blue line represents. Joining me now to comment on this is a gentleman who is one of the founders of an organization that I've spent a lot of time with and a lot of time on the airwaves through the last few years on. Uh, It's called Blue Line Unlimited. Ralph Spitalieri joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Ralph, good to have you, sir. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm doing well. As I said to you kind of in jest yesterday when I reached out to you, it seems like there is a limit on the Blue Line. Blue Line Unlimited doesn't exist in Solon. Uh, it's been removed, so there is a limit to the Blue Line. What was your reaction when you, when you heard uh, that they were taking the thin Blue Line uh, flag down because of the complaints of a few members of the community? Well, I think, first of all, as far as timing, that was the that that was the most pathetic time to be taking that down when it's the anniversary of the death of of uh, Josh McCarrion in a neighboring community that borders Solon that uh, that was shot and killed on the 13th and and it's just uh, it it was an absolute slap in the face for you know their family and also for law enforcement in general that that team couldn't have come at the worst time for that something like that to happen. That's a great point. And, you know, I know a lot of people were reaching out to uh, Holly McTerrion yesterday and offering her support online. 
I didn't even make that connection, though. You're right. And I'm sure it was coincidental, but wow, way to be tone deaf, uh, Mayor Krause well, in Solon. Dr. Solon was one of the you know main agencies that, uh, that, that, that would have been called to, for mutual aid during that, that crisis because it was literally just over the border. And it just really was bothered me like that for me to find out that that, that would have taken place on that day. Yeah, I, I, that, that's very well said. Uh, Ralph Spitalieri is our guest, and again, he's one of the founders of um, of uh, Blue Line Un- Unlimited, in addition to his day job of being a uh, commissioner in Geauga County. Ralph, um, tell me what that thin blue line flag means. What does it mean to you, and what does it mean to all police officers? You know, it's, it's basically to recognize the, the officers that put their lives on the line every day, and for those that, that, that have fallen serving you know the the, the the people, and it's it's nothing that has any kind of um, innuendos of anything politically, other than the simple fact of just recognizing the officers that paid the ultimate sacrifice. You know, in in the line of duty. Is there anything, not just political, but is there anything racial about the thin blue line flag? Absolutely not. Um, Absolutely not. I mean, that flag represents everyone. White officers, black officers, Asian officers, you name it, male, female. It's, it's, it's the brotherhood of blue, and, and it, it includes everybody. The reason I ask, of course, is because I think there's a little bit of confusion in the um, uh, in the community among those who are perhaps less than supportive of law enforcement and those who are just a, uh, you know, a little bit more anxious to to start trouble they think that thin blue line is the same thing as blue lives matter and that blue lives matter is incendiary because it was created after black lives matter to say that basically police officers lives mean more than black lives are, are they just confused ralph yeah i think that it, i think that it's just it's just it's, we're in a sad time also that so many people take advantage of any opportunity to try to make to try to twist things up so that they can try to you know enhance what their what their goal is is basically there's there is just so many people with an anti police you know thought process that anything that they could try to hang their head up on they will uh, we're talking with uh, Geauga County Commissioner and uh, one of the founders and and uh, leaders and board members of Blue Line Unlimited. The complaint, according to what I have been able to piece together, the lo- the, the largest complaint came from a pretty prominent guy, a uh, one of the uh, 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 a prominent physician. I'll just call him that at University Hospital, whose name is Jeffrey Parks, Doctor Jeffrey Parks. And just for full disclosure, I reached out to Jeffrey Parks to come on this program and talk about what he wrote on the website called the Solon Soundboard. And he agreed to come on, but he said he can't do it until Friday. This is part of what Dr. Parks of UH wrote. I must say I was surprised and pretty disappointed to see the Solon PD displaying the Blue Lives Matter flag. So again, there's what we just talked about. I don't think he knows the difference between Thin Blue Line, which is about fallen officers, and Blue Lives Matter, which is more of a political statement. 
Uh, This particular flag has been embroiled in controversy lately is an understatement. To put it mildly, it's unclear to me how it benefits our community. Let me outline a couple reasons for my concerns. One, it cannot be denied that it has been appropriated by far-right white nationalist groups in recent years, including the Proud Boys, Three Percenters, and separate militia groups, almost as a reactionary counter-symbol to the Black Lives Matter movement. I first recall seeing these flags during the white supremacist Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville in 2017. So, Ralph, this guy, and this is what I'm confused about, this guy is all wrong. It is not a Blue Lives Matter flag. It is a thin blue line flag. And his complaint, maybe with a handful of other people, was enough for the mayor to say, oh, we have a citizen who is unhappy. Let's take this down. Um, How does that work, Ralph Spitalier? I mean, you're, 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 you're a government official as a commissioner. How how yep. does a mayor, and, and, and what if somebody came, what if just one or two people, which is what it appears here, it's a very small number of complainers, came to Geauga County's board and said, we don't like this being represented in Geauga County. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that there would be some investigation, some, uh, you know, some, uh, maybe a discussion, a meeting or something before just a unilateral decision to say, oh, we have a citizen who's unhappy. Let's take down a symbol that's very important to our law enforcement, uh, uh brothers and sisters. Well, uh, if you recall last year, we had a similar situation in Geauga County where there were, um, there were two, two young individuals that were on the Sergeant football team. And one ran the American flag, and the other ran the blue line flag. His father had been a police officer and passed away, not killed in the line of duty, but due to some form of illness. Mm-hmm. But in respect to his dad, he ran the blue line flag down the field. And the superintendent of the school, Bill, uh, Bob Hanlon, basically turned around and, and sanctioned all and every opportunity that this flag would be able to be run was going to be totally prohibited. But yet, within the school district itself, it was okay for teachers to be able to have Black Lives Matter flags in their actual classrooms. So it started a real uh, controversy. I, as commissioner in the in, in, in Geauga County, basically called for him to re- resign. This is not tolerable, and it's not the example that the majority of the people want want to see for their kids. And there's a certain level of respect that. There is for our police officers here in this county. There was a rally that was held that they had well over 2,500 people that, that marched down the street to show their support for law enforcement. But instead, what did the board do? The board turns around and about uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, basically gave this guy an additional huge raise of making almost $150,000 with all kinds of other fringes. They made a statement when they when this whole thing happened that they support his decision 100 percent and that they that they feel that there's nothing wrong with what he did. And what's bad about this, Bob, is this: is that even in Geauga County, that's a very conservative county, I was the only I was the only political figure that stood up, and we had people in. I called every council member in the city of Chardon to ask them their point and their position on what had taken place, and even asked them to come out publicly to say, we can't tolerate this. And you know what everybody did? They basically ran for cover, and nobody would stand up. We have one of the council members that that, that, that did that. 
that uh, is basically she's running for for mayor in in uh, in, in Chardon. And until we start to replace these people, our entire country is continuing to go down the toilet. And the problem is, is good people don't want to run. And that's the biggest thing is, is that nobody, nobody with the with the you know with the guts sometimes to make the hard decisions and the hard calls are stepping up to run because of the fact that as soon as you take a strong position, you are going to be basically executed and persecuted on in every public forum that's out there. And it's just real sad because the silent majority out there truly respects and loves the police department and the police officers and what they do. And I tell everybody, let's see what, you know, one day, 24 hours of no police in this in this world would be oh. in, in this country. It would be just just an atrocity. Ralph uh, Spitalier is my guest. He is a Jogga County Commissioner, and he is one of the founders of Blue Line Unlimited. Um, Ralph, that was such a great explanation and, and, and great points. And, you know, the to wrap it here, the frustrating thing is the people that are being condemned here by, you know, we're talking about the police haters or the cop haters, uh, don't even understand that what you just said would never happen because of the dedication of those very cops. In other words, they could prove a point if they wanted to. They could, you know, yep. do a blue flu thing in every city in America and have 24 hours of, of no police uh, protection. And then everybody would know what this is really all about and how important they are. But the thing is, they would never do it because they care about their communities. They care about their people, and they take the oath to protect and serve very, very seriously and very personally. Even though it would be great for them to be able to make that point, they would never do it. And that, and that and that's that's the most frustrating thing for me when it comes to the cop haters not recognizing that. Absolutely, it's uh, we need we need strong leaders, and we need people that. We need people to, to be able to stand up and, and take a position and take these positions serious of, of being able to be elected. And, you know, I, I've known Rick Tonelli from when he was an officer in Cleveland Heights, it's the chief, it's in, and he's the chief in Seoul. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, he's always been a, a phenomenal guy, a dedicated officer, true true and blue to the to the M degree. And, you know, it's just unfortunate that the position is, that, that he was put in on this, because I can tell you, that is not him, and, and it's just it's unfortunate. But the outside influence of the politicians that are that are directing this ship is just really, really unfortunate. Yeah, it really made me feel bad for him when he took the heat early on yesterday because he had to issue the announcement and say, hey, we had to take this down because it was divisive or was seen by some in the community. And I would like to know how many, because all it takes is one or two phone calls from somebody, including this this general surgeon at UH, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Parks, who wrote this big letter. All it takes is a couple of people to complain for the politicians to work to save their own butts. And then the mayor puts it on the chief to make the the announcement. And then so Chief Tanelli got all of this criticism yesterday until he basically came out and said, look, uh, this is what the mayor wanted, and he serves at the pleasure of the mayor. If he doesn't do what the mayor wants, of course, the mayor could probably just fire him on the spot. And uh, and and that just you know it just kind of adds to the to the slap in the face of the of the badge. You know, the other thing, Bob, too, is that you know having the accountability both it should be both ways. University hospitals should take should take a position, you know, to address this surgeon also because what's going to happen if, if 
we've got an officer that gets shot in the line of duty and has to go in front of him. You know, that's concerning to say if this guy has the ability to have this strong of feelings in, in this way, what's going to happen if there's a, there's a police officer that is rendering help on the table in front of him? And I think that it's really a concern. And you know something, at the end of the day, um, you have a, there's a certain accountability when you make statements and you do things. And I think that that truly is something that university hospitals should be looking at him also to say, you know, there, there's a certain code of conduct that is required and you represent us. And unfortunately, I'm sure that it doesn't represent the majority, but something here has, should be addressed on that side of things too. I think you're exactly right, and uh, I intend to ask Dr. Parks about things like that, about what happens to him, what happens when he uh, has police officers perhaps in front of him, because uh, I, I reached out yesterday, and he said he would do the interview, but he said he can't do it until Friday. I don't know if he's hoping that some of the furor calms down over the next 48 hours, but he said he will come on with me at 10.35 a.m. on Friday, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to talking to him because I will try to get some of those questions answered. Ralph Spinelli again, uh, Joga County Commissioner and the Vice President. I kept looking for the right title. The Vice President of Blue Line Unlimited, which is a very important uh, uh, officer support organization, uh, particularly for the families of fallen officers. They know what the Thin Blue Line is all about. Please support them at bluelineunlimited.com. And Ralph Spinelli thank you so much for your time, sir. I appreciate it. Hey, Bob, if I can, real quick, um, I was going to also, uh, if I have a chance to say this also, we've got... Um, ever since this, this situation happened in Chardon, we've been doing a big uh, blue line um, event, and, and, and it's basically a ride for first responders. It's a pretty ride. We've got eight different counties. You can go to our website, bluelineunlimited.com, so we have a big motorcycle ride and car show. It all ends up from eight different counties, and the final stop, stop point is going to be at the Java Fairground, and food and, and entertainment and just some speakers there. But uh, that's going to be August 7th. But if, you know, I'd love to be able, if you're available, I would love to be able to put you on stage with your values and the ability of, uh, of, of communication and, and being able to be always out there supporting the blue line. I, I truly appreciate well, and respect you. Yeah. It, it, would, it would be an honor, and I hope I'm able to do that, Ralph. But uh, for those who didn't hear it, your phone kind of got a little bit wonky there. For those who didn't hear everything, it's the second annual Ride for First Responders. Uh, it's a motorcycle ride, car show, rib burn-off, and $5,000 cash bash, Saturday, August 7th, starting at 10 a.m. Register for it at bluelineunlimited.com. And uh, you know what? Let's talk again uh, before the first, or maybe in the first week of August, Ralph, so we can really remind people about this, okay? Okay. Yep. Thank right. you so much. Thank you, Bye, sir. Bob. Thank you. God bless you and uh, everyone at Blue Line Unlimited. We'll be right back. Must come down. Okay, 957. I got a short segment here. I told you to pick your spots because we're guest heavy today. So if you want to make phone calls, pick your spots. This is one of them. So let's go to the phones. Roz in Cleveland. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning. Go ahead. Hello. I'm going to do some calling out here. Number one, those who are in Solon, and I'm calling just the citizens of Solon, mm-hmm. why don't you get a thin blue line flag? Attach it to your car and run around City Hall. Tell that mayor he's wrong. Number two, 
If there are any patients of Dr. Park who are not black, be careful. I would never want the man touching me. I'm scared of him now. That kind of call-out and that kind of language tells me that there's a good chance that he is a black supremacist. Well, he's he's, he's 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 a white man, first of all. Uh, but that doesn't mean he can't oh. be a virtue. Yeah, that doesn't mean he can't be a virtue signaling black supremacist. As you know, there are a lot of white mm-hmm. people who are part of BLM. Uh, you know exactly. these these liberal virtue signalers who think that they're doing something that's you know uh, you know crossing racial lines and and being fair and tolerant and so on and so forth. When the reality is they're as intolerant as anybody else because they demonize their own race. But no, Doctor Parks is a white man, but um, he. He is obviously a far left man who does not support police and doesn't understand the thin blue line flag, thinks that it's the same thing as a black uh, blue lives matter. Flag. And that bothers me, too. What else that is right up in front of your face doesn't he understand? Right. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, I, this, Rod, and thank you for the call. I love the idea, by the way. Everybody get a thin blue line flag, put it on your car antenna or, or whatever. Uh, you know, get it mounted outside of your window. And, and, and I wouldn't just say drive around City Hall. I would just say leave them on your cars all throughout Solon. I would love to see all of the city streets filled with cars with, uh, with blue line matter flags. Um, show the mayor he's wrong. I would also hope that everybody reaches out to Mayor Krause, the mayor of Solon. Uh, I'll give his phone number because I called it yesterday twice. Uh, also sent an email, and I'm hoping to get uh, the mayor on the air to talk about this. Not super confident that he'll answer the bell because uh, I'm going to challenge him on this, but uh, maybe you can reach him. And I'll give you the phone, I'll give out his phone number uh, as soon as I can. Uh, but I think it's very important uh, for people of Solon to make a statement. And as far as Dr. Parks, like I said, I'll, I'm going to talk to him. I'd like to wait until I kind of get his answer to some of my tough questions. Dr. Parks, plural. Uh, not plural, but that's his name, Dr. Jeffrey Parks from University Hospital. He's a, he's a general surgeon there. I think Ralph Spitalieri asked a good question. If there was a police officer on the table in front of him, what comes first, his politics or his Hippocratic Oath? Um, That's something we'll talk about if he'll come on the air with me on Friday, as promised. We'll get news now. We'll come back, and we're going to talk about what happened yesterday at the school, uh, Ohio School Board meeting down in Columbus. We're going to talk to board members John Hagan and Kirsten Hill next on AM 1420, The Answer.